And the more that I dwelled on that story, the more I realized that I was pouring a lot of myself into that work. And the more I realized that I had taken something fundamental about myself and put it on to paper. And in the process of that, I had taken that distillation of myself and given it a name. My name is Harper J. McIntyre. I am currently the content and community manager at Double Fine, which is a studio owned by Microsoft. I'm Sam Rikaloff. And I'm Gideon Nathan. And this is Name Dropping, a show about choosing your own name. And then choosing your own name again. In this episode, we're talking to Harper J. McIntyre, who is someone that we both know from an old workplace. Yeah, she was a games critic at Kotaku. And uh, as she'll explain in the episode, games critic doesn't necessarily mean being critical of a video game in a negative way. She she put a lot of thought into it and she wrote a lot of great games criticism. Yeah, really enjoyed her work, even as someone who wasn't playing a ton of video games at the time. And anyone new to her work should definitely check out a piece she wrote over there called Games Criticism as a Kindness, which kind of explains her method as a critic and just really showcases her attention to detail and sensitivity as a writer. Definitely check that out. Yeah, and when she wrote that piece, it was under the byline Heather Alexandra, and that was kind of the basis for why we asked her to be on this show. Because as she's going to explain, she chose Heather Alexandra as her professional byline. And then last year, she chose Harper J as her actual name. And she'll go into the processes for each of those. Yeah, Harper is someone who has used names as a way to tap into her professional, personal, and artistic identity at different times of her life. And... I'm really grateful for the time we spent talking and super excited to share this episode with all of you. Thanks for coming on, Harper. You know, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna say it right off. I got a DM and I was like, is somebody trying to is somebody trying to pump me for information? Are these journalists <laughs> trying to get deets? And then the, and then it was like, there's a podcast. And I was like, oh, cool. Perfect. Thank you for getting over that initial suspicion and, and coming on this extremely benign program uh, that we have. No, I love, I love all y'all. I love Defector. I love all the old Deadspin folks. I, I think of the good old days, which probably weren't even all that good, but they were still good <laughs> in my brain. Yeah. I, th- I mean, I think a lot of your fans would know you by the byline that you used as a games writer. That's um, correct. Heather Alexandra. And, you called that name a, quote, spur of the moment choice. And I was just w- wanting to know what drew you to that name and why did you pick it? Yeah, so I, I can go through a lot of this. So I'll, I'll give the full backstory. And I'm my own relationship to my own my own gender and everything is, is very loose. I've never approached it very uh, strongly, so I have no problem saying this. My birth name was Alexander, right? My family still calls me Alex. Um, I've, I've never forced, uh, um, any of my family to alter the way that they, um, speak to me or about me besides, you know, pronouns or things like that. There are some people in my family who would make efforts to say Heather. There are some now who say Harper. 
Um, but my approach to it has always been very light. Um, I started writing games criticism around the time that Gamergate happened. Um, and so it was also around the time I was, you know, I was coming out of college, I believe. I'm not good with time frames. And I just wanted a pen name because I didn't want my name out there for a variety, especially during Gamergate. Mm-hmm. Um, because even just writing the small things that I did on blogs that weren't even major blogs, I was getting harassment, right? Because, like, that is almost going to be a decade ago now, Gamergate. And um, I, I still don't think some people have fully internalized the degree to which people were targeted and harassed at that point of time. I chose the name Heather because I knew somebody in college named Heather who I met online through a video game. I actually wrote an article about this for Kotaku. Um, We met in a uh, massively multiplayer online RPG called Star Wars, The Old Republic. Um, She was a very good friend of mine. She was very rambunctious, had (laughs) an energy that I wish I could replicate. Um, I'm a Leo which means I can be social. I can be on stage in front of thousands of people and have zero fear in my heart, but I am still an introvert. Um, she certainly wasn't uh, one of the most beautiful souls that I've ever known. Um, and, and, and she eventually had a habit of sort of changing her name the same way that you would change a pair of socks, right? But to me, she had always been my Heather. And, you know, I wasn't my best self back then and so we eventually parted ways and when it came time to choose a name for writing i chose heather because i wanted to embody a sort of confidence and um energy and um even though i was being critical of games critical does not mean always being mean just put that on the on the table but i was being analytical but i but it was about something i loved so I wanted to approach it with a certain joie de vivre. And so that's the name I chose. And then one thing led to another where I started submitting to publications and that I freelanced for a year. And then I got my job at Kotaku. It was a very short freelancing period. I was working as a barista uh, alongside that. And it turns out once you are in a major publication and you're just writing under a name that everybody knows for a while, that just becomes your name, right? Mm-hmm. I, I, did, I made no effort to fight it because it, it didn't feel bad to have people calling me that. I was finally coming out, right, because I'm transgender. But yeah, it was a spur-of-the-moment decision that ended up being my name for <laughs> almost five years uh, to everybody in the world. Have you talked to the Heather that was your namesake uh, since then about that decision? I um, one day she uh, she disappeared from my life, and I have I have no clue what happened to her. That's one of the things that that they don't tell you about life when you're younger is that sometimes people just disappear. Um, I don't mean that in like a malicious or mysterious or evil scary type way i mean it more just sometimes you you fade away from people Mm -hmm. or if you know you're dealing with a very capricious and vibrant and beautiful soul maybe she goes off to do whatever i wish i knew what would happen to her but i've made my peace with the fact that i probably never will either which is uh at the very least she gave me a name that guided me through a career path where i was able to achieve 
whatever counts for success in a field that is relatively small. So I'm thankful for that. Was there ever any sadness in kind of that daily reminder of of this lost friendship? That, oh yeah. In your own in your own name. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it's 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 not quite the same feeling, right? But you know, we've all broken up with people, right? And you know, there are those days where all of a sudden you go, "Wow, I'm sad, and I miss someone." And that would happen mm-hmm. for a while, right? Uh, I would just kind of go, wow, I feel really sad and I don't know what it is. And I don't think it was anything that was triggered by my having the name or being called the name, but it certainly kept her memory more present in my life for a certain amount of time and reminded me of just, we meet thousands of people in our lives. And there's like five who we get to talk to who make us feel brilliant. And she was one of them, which is really, really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, for a while, I definitely like, definitely missed her. So that period of your life would have been around 2014, 2015, something like that? Yeah, 2014. I started working at Kotaku around 2016, very briefly. I was like an employee of Gawker for like three months. Mm-hmm. Same. <laughs> it was, uh, they were like, there's, here's your card. And I was like, okay, this is interesting. <laughs> so I am somewhere within the last vanguard of the final people hired by, by Gawker. Mm-hmm. And I, I carried uh, that name through uh, roughly you know, four years of journalism, pretty pretty public-facing journalism. Did one year after making the transition to Double Fine, and then around the end of this year, finally uh, made the swap to Harper, which was uh, easier than I thought. It was I thought it was going to be a complicated process. It was not a complicated process at all. Yeah, we actually wanted to get into that what was the process like for you um last summer i was living in new york and my apartment burned down like i said life happens throws you a couple curveballs and so i moved back to new hampshire where the majority of my family is right now i'm currently residing in new hampshire still and for new hampshire all i did was i filled out a court form and sent it to the state court and a couple weeks later they said yeah sure the the more difficult part is like filling out the rest of the things that follow from that Mm -hmm. it becomes getting your license it becomes updating your social security i'm pretty sure i should call the irs to double check some stuff although i think it's a little bit more lax now where if you give the documentation when you file your taxes you should be good i'll have to talk to my accountant about that and be like how's this all work um the hard part is not the name change itself the harder part is the stuff that follows it used to be to my understanding a little harder especially for people who were transgender or things like that in certain cases you would have to appear before the judge and sort of argue your case i literally filled out a piece of paper and said hey publicly known individual want to change my name here's what you can look like look at if you want to know who i am this is what i was known as professionally i have been out as a transgender professional for like almost five years 
Uh, so let's just get this done. And thankfully for, I think sometimes people perceive New Hampshire as like a very like weird state just because people don't know anything about it right and the and the state motto is live free or die yeah. um but my experience as somebody as, as at least uh, as a member of the lgbt community um throughout my time here in new hampshire is that it's been mostly okay obviously we do have shitheads that have come from new hampshire chris cantwell famous nazi yeah but you know we are a state that is we're considered a swing state in elections for a reason right um but like even in primaries, like more recently, we've gone for like Bernie Sanders and stuff like socially a fairly progressive place. I think mm-hmm. mostly people just want to keep their guns because there's a lot of hunters here. Yeah. As happens when you're up in the wilds. But my experience was pretty good. I, although I wasn't born in New Hampshire, I spent most of my life there. So it's kind of it doesn't necessarily surprise me that it was that easy just because. Yeah. The reputation is that they just want as minimal government as possible. Yeah, that's, so they just make it like one form. She's benefiting from the live free part. Of, yeah. of the the vibes are like really low key. Like, so I was working as a barista, like I previously mentioned, and I, I transitioned like as I was working as a barista. Right. And sure, some people had questions, but more of the times when people would pull me aside for questions, they'd be like, hey, my kid is actually unsure about their identity can you talk with me about it like it's it's that fun thing where they're like finally i've found a transgender person i can ask them questions (laughs) which you know people of all marginalized identities endure some form of those questions from in in one shape or another yeah there's definitely a balance of people who are just genuinely curious and have never like mm-hmm. for me, I'm Muslim and not like a devout Muslim, but enough where people are going to ask me questions while I was in like high school and college. And most of them were uh, well intended. Yeah. My, my simple answer to if you're listening now somehow and you and you have a kid who is having questions about their gender identity, let them feel those things, even if you don't understand and remember, I'm not a parent, so, you know, I can't speak about this too strongly, but they're your kid. You should love your kid. And if at some point you go, well, if this thing happens, then I can't love my kid, then you're a shitty parent. Love your kid. It's as simple as that. So I wanted to go back to Heather Alexandra for a second. Would it be right to describe it as you picking up a pen name that then permeated other parts of your life, your social life? Yeah, 100%. It it um it was a pure pen name and then I started getting more and more freelance things published, which led to like podcast appearances and like live stream stuff and once people start to hear your voice or see your face, that's it. That's that's who you are. Like my name could have been Beppo the Clown. <laughs> and they would have been like, well, that's Beppo the Clown now, right? Like <laughs> they see the face, they see the name, and that's what they identify. And thankfully, not to not to move too far ahead to the new thing, most people have made the transition from Heather to Harper pretty easily. Mm-hmm. The Heather thing was just like, I don't know, I thought I thought maybe that would be it. 
But also it, it was definitely a thing of like, my legal name was not and has never been Heather, right? Like it, it was just a professional name. And, and there's a way in which, you know, kind of appearing in public life, I guess, freezes certain aspects of your presentation at that time. And then, yes. you know, yeah. that becomes part of your own conception of yourself too. Yeah, and it and it becomes um, partially a conception of myself, but it but but more more pressingly, it becomes the conception of other people's image of who I am. Right? Y'all both know the moment that you are public in any way, people start uh, projecting all sorts of things upon you, um, presuming all sorts of closeness and uh, parasociality and things like that. And once they start to identify you a certain way whether that's your name or anything else, then it, at some point it goes from a thing you had control over to something you didn't. Or almost like if you told a little white lie mm-hmm. and, it, and it just became a fact of your existence. For instance, my friends insist that I was in a drunken knife fight in college. <laughs> I don't remember that night, but it's part of my lore now. <laughs> um, I don't know if it's true, uh, but... at this point it doesn't matter if it is true the same way that you know if you know three years into kotaku i felt i wasn't heather anymore to a certain extent that almost would not have mattered because that would have been who i am to those people um and there's only so much you can do to um kind of take a crowbar and make that hard separation. I think it was much easier to make the change that I did now outside of journalism, Mm -hmm. even though I'm still public facing, but outside of a a realm where I am publicly visible um, daily. Right. When you look back at your time at Kotaku and the early part of your career, do you have any desire to go back and change those bylines or look into that process or is it not really that important do you mean do you mean take the bylines that exist now and see if they could be changed yeah just to harper jay um so the offer was made to me to the credit of the people who run kotaku now um the offer was made to me pretty shortly after my name was changed they said hey um, your name has changed do you want that to change on your byline and and like i said i'm pretty casual about all this i said if you think it is feasible and it won't break your website? Sure. But I also said, I will not lose sleep if, you know, my past bylines say, Heather, I know what I wrote. I feel like people know what I wrote. So it's it's fine. I mean, I, I think if there was a way to do it, it'd be very interesting. But, you know, it's... There would probably be a degree of some confusion that happened. Like I, I have a YouTube account, right? <laughs> and people, when I changed my name, I, I got a ton of comments that people were like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> and I was like, "I was like, I changed my name. Deal with it." Um, and so that that would be something that uh, Kotaku would probably have to endure for a bit. I still am able. I am still logged into one on one computer, my Kotaku account from from beforehand. So I could at least answer comments on that uh, account, but that password has long since been changed. So if, if this computer ever explodes, <laughs> that account's gone. Just to give context for listeners, Kinja is the CMS that Kotaku and Deadspin and 
all those what's sites. What's CMS, Sammer? Content Management Baseball. System, Okay, I think. That's what we type into to yeah. make the words appear on yeah. your screen. Yes. <laughs> um, CMSs. Kinja was a fine CMS. It was. I, it was I, fine. I liked it. I did too. I've worked with words. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask if after you officially changed your name, you were obviously going through all the, you were talking about the driver's license and all the major paperwork. Yeah. And I was wondering if months after that, you continue to find like little, like say like an online account that you hadn't realized you still had and you were still getting emails as Heather. Did that happen um, often or was it? To an extent. I mean, I don't, I'm not somebody who's on like a lot of lists like that or I've tried to remove remove myself from that. I um, As time goes on, I've only become more and more of a private person or I've tried to, um, sometimes failing. I tweeted the other day and it got like 5k retweets and i was like i'm gonna lose my job <laughs> so who like who knows um hoisted by your own virality yeah some of the things that that will pop up would be like i went to get um when you take estrogen and hormone blockers you very often have to go get your blood drawn to see what uh what's going on with your blood um and it turns out the hospital system hadn't completely updated everything yet to harper so i just had to show my um my driver's license and and the hospital changed that um my more pressing concern believe it or not was whether or not i needed to change anything on my covid vaccination records mm. right mm-hmm. because my covid vac- vaccination records and maybe i'll still double check this right because i wanted to get my booster and i was worried that perhaps me trying to go get that booster people would say like you know, no way, like your names don't align or whatever, right? Like who knows? People are sticklers for rules because we live in a society full of weird people. Um, and, and it was fine. I actually just went to the pharmacy and I said, Hey, I had a name change. And they were like, we know who you are Come in here, get your shot, please. <laughs> and I was like, great. Um, so it's, it's pretty easy. I mean, the, like that same pharmacy visit, there was still some confusion about, um, finding my medication because, a prescription that I had had was still under the old name. It was like a refill there. So I had to be like, hey, please look under this name as well. But it's slowly starting to align and work itself out. Hi, this is May May Sparks, and I'm a Defector subscriber. I originally became an accomplice because it was the closest I might ever get to being transgressive in my life. But I stay because I believe in supporting great writing, which is what you get from Defector. Plus, they're constantly adding new voices to their rosters and features all the time. If you want to support Defector and get your first month for 99 cents, go to defector.com slash name dropping. We've talked a little bit about trying to build a more private life. But it sounds like you had a pretty invasive experience um, being doxxed uh, during your career as a writer. I was wondering if you could tell, <laughs> yeah. tell us a little bit about that. Um, so I'll tell you the nature of how it came about. Um, and it actually doesn't bother me. And I'll tell, you, I'll tell you the full story. So there's a website out there called Kiwi Farms. Some of you might know about it. It tends to be a place where, where, where doxing is very prevalent. Um, I had gotten into, gotten into is a, a strong word. There is a man by the name of uh, uh, Doug Tanapel 
who made like Earthworm Jim and things like that. And for the anniversary of, I don't know, like one of the years of Earthworm Jim, because I am a person working on a website and I need to make content. I wrote about Earthworm Jim and I was like, it doesn't completely hold up. Some of it feels a little mean spirited. And he decided to be really transphobic to the point that like is very public and people from news organizations were messaging me. I think even the onion wrote an article about it and then had to disclose also technically, uh, we're, we're all owned by the same people. Um, (laughs) And in the course of that, whenever there's any sort of juicy internet drama, Kiwi Farms tries to be like, let's find out who these people are. And my biggest crime was that I was a public like leftist or whatever, right? And so they they found my birth name, which I had never made great lengths to hide, although I had done a lot of like remove me online service-y type things before. And then the other one was that they had found some high school photos of me because I used to do stand-up comedy. Um, I started doing stand-up comedy when I was in high school, going into clubs in Boston and stuff way, way too young than I needed to be. So even if I wanted to kind of hide my last name or anything like that now, it's like kind of a moot point. So I'm just publicly out there as Harper J. Mm -hmm. Uh, McIntyre. McIntyre is my last name. So there you go. Everybody has all the information they need to learn more about my boring life, which was very uneventful in New Hampshire. Like, it's fine. Um, It was was an interesting experience, though, because it's like, who cares? Like, I like, I, I'm nobody. Like, like, I was nobody then. I'm still nobody now. But the fact that gamers are like, gotcha, we gotcha. And it's like, oh no, you know my name and you have a picture of me from my high school graduation. I'm going to faint. Yeah. <laughs> like it was, it even got to the point to, I understand it that on Kiwi farms, they were like, we're closing this thread because who the fuck cares? <laughs> Which, you know, when the doxers do that, you know, it's like, yeah, they're really, you've done, you've, you've done okay for yourself. They've reached a dead end. Uh, so you've talked about having a fairly fluid view of your gender and yes. I was wondering if there are situations in just day-to-day life where you would prefer to pass, and does that determine which name you would use in those situations? Um, so it's Harper It's Harper across the board, right? And Harper is, by and large, something that uh, is, is vaguely considered gender-neutral at this point. My um, gender I- identification marker on, um, on my uh, license is an X, so it's non-binary, mm-hmm. um, my pronouns are she, they, um, maybe if it's like right now where I'm at and it's people who I know from when I was younger, like, you know, if I run into a a high school friend that can call me Alex, it'll be fine. But there's no, there's no degree to which, um, I don't consider myself particularly a gender fluid person or entirely non-binary individual, though certainly that's something I need to figure out and feel out for myself um right i i always prefer she but they is always an option too um they exist uh for some folks as a comfort option right my approach to my gender expression has always been i know who i am and i will i will make concessions 
for other people's comfort and understanding that will slowly allow them to develop their own personal awareness. So there's never been a, a moment where I've kind of um, shifted from one mode to the other. And uh, right now I wear a mask anywhere, everywhere anyway. So right. it's like, right. you know. Is there an example that comes to mind, I don't, whether in family or your social life of that kind of concession where you're kind of, you know, leading a friend along that journey? I think, I think that's been the process with my parents, mm-hmm. right? Um, uh, there's, there's no way in any shade of hell where I'm going to be anything other than Alex to them. But pronouns and things like that are correctable. And it's something that you slowly work on. Mm-hmm. Um, the trickier thing will be, say, um, you know, I, I have a nephew now. And at some point, there will have to be consideration as to what they call me. Am I their aunt? Am I their uncle? What am I to them? I don't have the full answers to that. Um, my sister is a pretty easygoing individual. My brother-in-law is a little bit more conservative probably doesn't understand it as well that's not an indictment of him he's family and i love him right but that'll be a process especially now that i am over the hump of being you know right right like there's there's being a young queer and then there's being a queer and then there's being an old queer and i'm in i'm in that middle phase and i'm gonna get to that old that old phase soon enough and so it just, like, as long as my family is okay with it, like, when I'm at family gatherings, like, nobody's been an ass about it. Um, I've been, I've been blessed. And and I use that word very deliberately, right? In the sense of, like, it is, it is a very clear blessing. Um, not everybody deals with that. My own experience with queerness has been defined by a lot of good fortune, um, which I know other people don't have. So we've we've talked a lot about the name Heather and how it was involved in your life, but what was the process into picking the name Harper? So this is where I get to flaunt my nerdiest chops ever. Um, I am a well-known, famous fan of a Dreamcast video game. If I tap here, you might hear that's me tapping my Sega Dreamcast right now. And Sega Dreamcast <laughs> is a uh, video game console that came out nine nine ninety nine, um, I believe was was the day um it was sega's last foray into the video game console uh market before it uh uh, wonderful box that it was came out a little too soon and got crushed uh particularly by the playstation 2 and then eventually by the xbox um although it did it was one of the first to really have like online and things like that was it it led the pack in a lot of ways but it, it just couldn't sustain unfortunately um, there's a game on it called Skies of Arcadia, which I deeply love, which I am a well-known fan of. I have a very large collection. I, uh, if Sega approached me, I would, I would drop a ton of money to help them port that thing to PC, but, uh, I don't have a great phone call number to Sega, but, um, one of the projects I decided to do after I stopped working in Kotaku was a stupid thing, which was a fan fiction thing, because uh, I'm a grown adult, I could do whatever I want, which was to novelize the game. Um, because it's increasingly harder to play the game, although emulation is a thing. Um, and I wanted to 
try writing it. So I started writing that and I knew I wanted the thing about the story I was writing to be that it was eventually going to have been written like diegetically. Like it was actually going to be like a novel that somebody in that setting had written. So I, 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 I had an, a notion of a character in my mind um, who was a writer who was writing that book, um, which overlapped with me a little much. Um, I had a, I had a very big period of depression last year, a very dangerous period of depression where I worked out that by writing a side story set in that uh, silly, colorful, wonderful universe that taught me to dream. Um, and the main character's name was Harper. And the more that I dwelled on that story, the more I realized that I was pouring a lot of myself into that work. And the more I realized that I had taken something fundamental about myself and put it on to paper. And in the process of that, I had taken that distillation of myself and given it a name. And after some consideration, I was like, well, that's a fine name. I'll take it for myself. Um, so I did. Could you tell us a little bit more about that Harper that you wrote? And if there was a particular scene that you were writing where that kind of really crystallized for you? In in writing that Harper, I wrote a character who was right. I think a lot of people when they write fic, like sometimes people write fan fiction or something in order to write idealized versions of themselves. But I'm not interested in that because I don't think idealized versions of ourselves or idealized characters that we can project onto are very interesting. So this was a character who was rather plain. This was a this was a character who was relatively clumsy. They were good with words and writing and, and numbers, perhaps in a way that I am good with words and writing and not numbers, but, uh, you know, at least words and writing. Uh, so they were a writer and they were, they were unlucky, right? The, this, they, but they ended up joining the, the crew of the, uh, of the main cast so that they could be along for the journey. And that way I could justify later on for the main story being, turning it into something that was like diegetic. Um, there, I don't know if there's any moment in that story that uh, particularly strikes me as something where I said like, oh, this is me. Um, it's a story called Halfway. The namesake of that story comes from a moment, uh, a flashback early on where there is a, a like a boat race um, in a gambling town and she buys a very shitty boat and enters the race and crashes it and only makes it halfway. And so she gets the nickname Halfway Harper. And I'm not somebody who has a particularly high opinion of myself. Um, that again was a story written during the grips of a dangerous depression. So I wrote a character who was very unlucky. I wrote a character who had to work through misfortunes. And so I think in writing a character who pushed through troubles that led me to bond with them in a way that was very, very nice. Um, now they're now when I write them, they're a more obvious author avatar, but they're not, they're not exactly going on adventures. I have another story of theirs. I want to write where they're just a dramaturge at like a theater group. <laughs> it's like very weird. Yeah. I don't know. It was, it was like, I think a lot of people write those types of stories to make like 
I'm a badass Jedi. And this is the story of my badass Jedi. And I wrote a story about an unlucky writer because I think, uh, at the very least, I am a writer. I often feel unlucky, although I think in life I've been relatively fortunate. What compelled you to name that specific character Harper? Do you remember? Um, so the truth of the matter is when I write, I care about the way things sound mm-hmm. so much. And so it was a bit of trial and error until I found something that sounded crisp in my ear. You know, I don't have synesthesia, you know, synesthesia or anything like that by any means, but um, I do care about the way a name sounds. Like if you just write any name, it, like why would you do that? <laughs> like your your sentences should like – Two things, writers, don't write fucking character names that are just, like, way too on the nose. Mm-hmm. Like, like you want this dude to have a bird theme, so, like, you look up some ancient name for bird and blah, blah, blah. Like, that's, that's fucking, like, I'm sorry, don't do that, you're not in college. <laughs> and then also, like, write things that people want to hear, write names that sound, belie- first off, write, na- write names that sound real, right? Like, don't, don't twilight me and call somebody renesme or whatever like get the get the hell out of here like call them normal names unless your setting allows you the freedom to to open up a little bit and then and then write names that sound good and then also if you're lucky write sentences that sound good at least or that sound in the cadence of your own voice right Mm -hmm. um the best language sounds good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't think Harper Lamb is a brilliant name, but it at least rolls off the tongue in a way that sounds like a name that somebody could have mm-hmm. and a name that is at least okay to the ear. So that's how that happened. I mean, um, it's, that's it's it's logical advice for someone trying to write beautiful sentences at the very least you can not shoot yourself in the foot by putting ugly names into the text. So Yes. I I'm thinking of like those rumors about George Lucas trying to name like fast characters like Jet or oh, like dude, you can't you can't do it, man. Yeah. What did um, he he tried to name like Darth? Oh, oh like Darth Icky or something? Yeah, Darth yeah. Icky. Yeah. That's what it was. <laughs> One of the it's, bad guys was yeah. supposed Incredible. to be Darth Icky. You gotta keep it. You gotta keep it loose. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you got you gotta keep it loose. No way. Uh, so and also just Harper, I think is just a, a nice sounding name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Although, because I'm a theater person, it makes me think of, like, Angels in America and things like that. There's a character named Harper in that. <laughs> she's she's not well off. She's a, she's mostly, like, drugged up a lot. She's a housewife. Yeah. I mean, you're in the somewhat unusual position of having named yourself on two separate yes. occasions. And I wonder if you feel like you have any insight into the act of naming itself. Uh, don't overthink it. Mm-hmm. Right, the same way that you know, when I was saying with writing, don't overthink your characters' names. Don't overthink it. Like I think so much of life, you can trap yourself with the intellectual side of things. Where even in my game's criticism, the thing I've cared about is how things feel. Right, and what you should care about is: does this feel right for me? Does this embody who I am? Not does this name mean a thing that I value or things like that? Find the thing that feels like you mm-hmm. um, because that is the thing that you are, right? That feeling is pointing you towards a truth. 
And so you should chase that feeling as opposed to getting lost in the weeds of etymology or your family lineage or any of those things. Mm -hmm. A lot of our guests describe kind of this compartmentalized life where people in different spheres of their life will call them by a different name. And yeah, I wonder if you feel a sense of disorientation from that or you feel what different sets of emotions kind of hang around each of those names. Um, you know, there's complicated feelings towards my family. There's ways in which like sometimes people in my family just keep on asking questions and it's just like, yo, what else do I need to tell you? Like, I fear that I am not a good friend or like a not a good family member because of my insistence on being so private. Um, it'll bite me in the ass eventually maybe, but, uh, there are moments where it's like, you know, with family, it's like some members of the family will just ask questions like, what's up with that? What's going on? And the answer is just simply, this is who I am. I felt, I felt like it. And they're like, you felt like it. And I was like, yes, I felt like it, which is to say I was compelled inexorably by a feeling within my soul to embrace this version of myself. Um, but of course, some people go through their lives without, not that I've struggled. I don't think I'm somebody who has struggled, right? I think, you know, I am at least somebody who has endured certain things, identity-based, that have made it hard to figure out uh, where my comfort levels are, whether that's family prying too much or whether that's something as vile as getting on the subway and having somebody spit on you, right? Like these are, these are things that happen. And, and, and one of the ways that we trans people or any marginalized, I, I think persons um, push back against that is by embracing who we are proudly religion you know physical presentation and in the the case of this conversation our names right yeah so 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 we'll do that we'll do the theater thing for a second right you know arthur miller you know the crucible right at the end of the crucible they go up to john proctor and they say hey you don't have to die here all you need to do is sign this form that says hey you're a witch whatever, we'll let you go, blah, 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 or something. I'm paraphrasing it a bit, but he refuses to sign the document. The reason he refuses to sign that document, he says, and this is a quote from the play, he says, because it is my name and I cannot have another in all my life. Well, that last part is false, but my name is my name, right? Marlo Stanfield, a little bit different. Um, <laughs> our names are our names. We get to define who we are, not the people who see us for weird monsters on the street not the people who see us for the stereotypes and 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 the dumb shit in their heart we get to define it and that fucking rules thank you so much for coming on harper where can i readers uh keep up with your work well you can play many of the games of uh, uh double fine on your xbox console on your pc um, through Steam, and also uh, you can uh, most recently you can play Psychonauts 2, which uh, many people are saying is a one of the best games of the year. Um, on anything, you play it on your PlayStation 5, even which I'm very grateful for. I'm 
glad that so many people can play that. A lot of her games are in Game Pass. Not that I'm trying to show for the company I work for too much, but <laughs> a lot of what I do now is related to those games. Um, if you want to find some of the writing I did in the past, look at Kotaku. You can look up Heather Alexandra. Read my Death Stranding review. That's mm, like the one thing I one. think is good. <laughs> um, maybe the Metal Gear pieces. Um, if you want to find me on Twitter for some reason, even though I really should delete the damn thing, it's at transgamerthink. And that's about it. Uh, I, I, I sometimes write... Uh, on doublefine.com my plan is heading into the new year to do a lot more writing on there turn it into a horrible den of nonsense which will be very very fun so that's where you can find me thank you thank you very much mm-hmm thanks for listening to name dropping you can email us at namedropping at defector.com this podcast was produced by Alex Sujong Laughlin. Thanks to Projects Editor Justin Ellis and Editor-in-Chief Tom Lay and the rest of the Defector staff. Defector Media is a collectively owned, subscriber-based media company. If you love this podcast and want to support us, subscribe to Defector at Defector.com. <laughs> <laughs>